we acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which the Doyen interviews is recorded. We pay respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening and to the Indigenous peoples of all places worldwide who are tuning in. The Doyen interviews would like to express condolences to any listeners who have suffered in any capacity due to the global coronavirus disease, COVID-19. Any information shared on this podcast or any achievements celebrated during this period are done so for the purposes of knowledge sharing. Hello and welcome to the Doyen Interviews podcast. My name is Bridget Nathan and I'm glad you've tuned in. This is the podcast that speaks to inspiring women from the art, architecture and design world. Thank you to Anon for the beautiful introductory music and to Alira Murray for the amazing illustrations. A proud Noongwenna, Yorta Yorta and Torres Strait Islander woman, Alira strives to create bespoke digital portraits that bring joy to her customers. This episode would not have been possible without the generous support of the Alastair Swain Foundation. The Doyen Interviews would like to say thank you for this amazing opportunity to form part of your design records. In this next episode of the Doyen Interviews, we speak to the incredible Madison Connors, an artist and founder of Yali Creative, a company that was launched during the coronavirus pandemic. Madison is a Yorta Yorta, Taja Rung and Gamilla Roy woman. And in this episode, we speak about her life as a woman, a creative, a mum, an Aboriginal woman and a role model. One interesting topic that we speak about is Maddie's journey through pregnancy. And interestingly, at the moment, she's actually part of the Melbourne Fringe Festival, exhibiting a series of work called Healing Through Bulliana, or Pregnancy. You can visit the exhibition online. I saw it myself over the weekend and loved the bold, beautiful images and the stories that they tell. We cover so many topics in this conversation. One topic that we do discuss may be triggering to listeners. Thank you, Maddie, for sharing your story, your ideas and your art with the Doyen interviews. It would be great if you could begin with introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yama to everybody. My name's Maddie. I'm a Yorta Yorta, Jajarung and Gamilaroi woman um, living in Nam, which is also known as Melbourne. Um, I'm an Aboriginal artist and um, a mother of two. I have a four-year-old Mali and a nine-month, almost 10-month-old named Yindi. So my brand, Yali Creative, was actually born out of um, combining my two children's names. Um, That's I, so cute. Yeah. So I, originally I was under another name, um, Milana Dreamings, before I had kids and I just wasn't connected. Um, so Milana means spirit in um, Yorta Yorta. And I think at the time I was actually on my own journey. So um, I had spirit dreaming because of my own journey that I was going down in the path that I was leading but once I had Marley I just I felt disconnected from the name so I was like all up in arms for ages with what I should be named um and like as I was working full time um I didn't really give my business or my brand or my artistic um flair and capabilities enough time um, while I was working full time with you know my firstborn um as well so that was pretty tricky yeah um yeah I think I love the name and I love the branding and it's great as well that you share the story about 
your children. <laughs> and I think um, like a lot of people do rebranding and, and change their names. So it's, it's so important to have something that you're connected to. Um, when you think about art and being a woman, what does being creative mean to you? So for me, um, creativity has always been innate and I've always been, you know, I've always had some form of creativity within my life, whether that was, you know, writing or like storytelling as a young child and and creating my own um, art when I was little um, to, you know, different things really like painting, drawing um, or even just, you know, trying to do new things um, in the creative space. Um, it's just something that I've always been connected to, but not only like art in general, but also my spirituality. So with Aboriginal art, you know, being connected um, to land and to our ancestors is a really big part of how we create art um, and those stories that come through. Mm. Is, is there, are there some particular stories that have inspired you or anything that comes to mind at the moment that relates to some of your art at the moment I've been doing a lot of um like a lot of healing art for myself so all my art is based around my own experiences but also um listening to the stories of my ancestors and being guided um so a lot of my stories recently since I had my daughter have been around um you know healing through my pregnancy and my birth. So with my firstborn, um, I had a pretty traumatic birth. And so when I went into birth with um, Yindi, um, it actually was a really healing journey for me. Like I, I the actual birth itself, I, I you know, I want to go and have another baby because I really enjoyed that experience the second time <laughs> around, which is really funny because the first time I was like, no, this is the, you know, the worst thing I've ever gone through. Um, and then going through it again the second time and coming at the end thinking, wow, that's empowering and it's so, it was actually so empowering, the birth itself. And and people talked about that before and I didn't quite understand and I was like, mm, are you sure? <laughs> I don't know how that could be, you know, feel that way because I felt so out of control in my first birth. Um, and I've been creating a lot of art from that. Um, and it, I, I guess you could see it as, you know, partly I'm healing from my first birth and then creating this this art that's reconnecting me to my body and to my empowerment as a woman, but also as an Aboriginal woman, being able to have that birth experience, that, you know, more natural, innate feeling. Like I just, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's really hard to explain, but um, yeah. it was really like quite enjoyable. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I um yeah, I haven't had a baby, but I was um quite involved when my sister had a baby and I had this weird dream like the day that my sister was giving birth. I didn't know she was in the hospital. I dreamt that I was like coming out of it was like, yeah, she must have gone in really early in the morning. I dreamt that I was like coming out of this tunnel and then I just woke up. And oh felt, yeah, like an hour and her name's Maddie as well. Um and <laughs> Then I woke up and then I went to work and then I got an email from my other sister saying, because I'm terrible with my phone, and she was like, we've been trying to call you. Maddie has, is in the hospital. She's had the, she's had Olivia, my niece. And I was like, oh, God, that is so so strange. So, I um, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned your spirituality and 
and things that are hard to explain. Um, I find, yeah, like I find your work really beautiful and really meaningful. Um, are there any particular pieces that you've been working on that um, respond to themes of women's health? Yeah, so I've been, um, I'm going to be in the um, Fringe Festival this year, um, which is amazing and I'm so excited. So it is all online because of everything that's going on, um, which in a way I was thinking about it the other day, in a way it's really amazing because I think there might be a broader reach, but also it's my first exhibition. So I was a little bit upset, but um, I have to look at it in a positive way and think, well, it's going to reach more people across Australia and then internationally, um, you know, and and any of my followers on Instagram, I can then, you know, broadcast it as um, to them to come along as well, which will be amazing. Um, And, you know, any of your followers now. But um, my topic is silhouettes of pregnant women and um, the, the healing journey that you go through in birth and pregnancy and, and how connected we are to nature and, and how um, amazing the woman's body is when you are pregnant and you actually create life. And, like, I just really want to show that and um, amplify the woman's body as something that is so amazing and phenomenal because we literally create life from cells and nothing. Like I, I find it amazing, and especially when I was pregnant and now breastfeeding that, you know, I grew this little person from nothing to have fingers and toes and ears and eyes. And, and it just, it, it just, it takes my breath away when I think about it because like we create those people that are the future leaders and future people within our society. So the women are, you know, if there was no women, then there wouldn't be society. Um, But other pieces that I've worked on, um, I worked with Cancer Council Victoria and created their um, flip chart for their women's business. So um, it was around increasing numbers of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people um, getting pap smears and looking after themselves in that vulnerable setting. Um, So I created the art for a flip chart, which you can find online. and I can share the link with you as well. Basically, it talks through the importance of caring for our bodies and caring for, you know, making sure we have those checks um, because we need to ensure that we're looking after ourselves to be able to look after other people in our lives and our families and our children and, you know, aunties and mums and things like that. So that's one of the um, pieces that I've worked on. I've also worked with Women's Health Victoria to create their piece, which is um, hasn't been launched yet, but um, it's another one that I've been creating as well, um, which was um, a really great piece to create because they have a lot of um, diversity within their organisation. So it wasn't just about a woman, it was about aspects of a woman, but also um, trans and um, and dif- diversity and um self-image and things like that so it was really interesting when I was creating the story for that one that I had to be really mindful of everybody in the community everybody in both you know the Aboriginal community that would connect with the piece but also the broader community as well. Yeah that's so cool I think um, like a lot of people may who who are artists who um, or I guess anyone who works with people and the public kind of could probably identify with that feeling of like expanding your understanding of who it is that's going to be experiencing your art. 
or who your target audience is and having to educate yourself on like different people's needs because being a woman and yeah especially raising the idea of transgender it's such a broad term as well and it means so many like different things to like different people um this isn't one of my questions so we can um to see what comes to mind but what does being a woman mean to you what sort of words describe being a woman for you for me it's strength and um empowerment and um being an advocate and being a leader being an influencer um because obviously like now that I've got children I'm influencing little people moving into society so I've really got to be mindful of how I see myself um and how I see my you know my body image and how I see the world and how I talk about things um I guess you know that is being an influencer in a sense because you're an influencer in your own home with your children and you want to be a positive role model to them but also you know if you have younger siblings or other people in your life that you're being a role model to you also have to think about that and um I have a 14 year old sister and and a 21 year old brother so I'm you know, I've got quite young siblings and have to think about other people before I can really think about myself. <laughs> um, but for me, women are the matriarch and for Aboriginal people, women are the matriarch, um, especially, you know, I follow the line of my, my grandmother. It's those strong women that have come through the family line that, you know, I try to embody and follow their footsteps. So that's why I would say empowerment and strength. And I really want, you know, the leaders and the, the women and the girls of today to really understand that we are so powerful. And I don't think that um, mainstream society or even you know mainstream media puts enough emphasis on how strong women are and especially because I've come from you know a household with a single mother um, I've seen how strong a woman can be without the need of a male figure and and look I've got an incredible um, partner who I adore and couldn't live without but I mean like just growing up in that space with um, a woman who you know, had to do everything. She was my mum and dad in a sense and, you know, um, she was working full time and, yeah, she went through a lot of um, a lot of stuff as I was growing up. You know, I've spoken about family violence um, that I've experienced um, growing up. So, my, you know, my mum was a victim of domestic violence and in a lot of areas. So it was, it's, it's incredible to see how empowering women can be in those spaces. That's what I'm sort of meaning <laughs> hope that yeah. answers your question thank you for sharing your thoughts um I think I totally totally agree um that women are so strong and so powerful and it's once you start my experience is once I've started to work a, like in a tiny scale in the media with women and trying to expand the different types of women that I'm talking to within my like field of architecture and design, you realize just how much information there is, but you, unless you seek it out, you don't necessarily hear it. And that really like, I'm still like really puzzled about that because I totally agree. I think the media could tell women's stories a bit more and celebrate the achievements of women and like also with my podcast I'm not quite sure where I'm going to take it next year 
but I'd love to talk to people about like being mums or people who, you know, like that's their primary job um, and the value in that because um, I love talking to people about their successes and um, the things that, you know, we experience formally. But I think as well kind of what you're talking about being a woman, there's so many other things that happen and happen within families and that, you know, people overcome and that like that is like so strong and powerful. I think as well, like when I think about artwork like yours, I think it is amazing. Like it's another type of media. Like it's amazing that you can um, convey some of those messages in a way that is pretty um, abstract and people can can learn about some of the things that you're talking about or they can take their own impressions from it. Yeah, and I've found that a lot of people have connected to, you know, my stories or the colours or the art or the boldness or, you know, the femininity. Like it's, um, you know, even with my Winya piece, which is the uterus, people have connected with that on a different scale because, you know, it's sort of taking something that is often seen as taboo and putting it in a way that's aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, it's just creating art that um, connects people, tells a story, but also has those powerful messages behind it. Um, I think it's been, you know, really um, something that's helped me as well. Like it's, it's really encouraged me to continue to create because I've always loved creating. And I think creating for me is so healing. And as I said, I've been through a lot of stuff throughout my life that, you know, and being able to share that, but then share it in a way that's letting it go has been really, um, yeah, it's just been really healing for me. Um, and like what you were just saying about, um, you know, women being strong and having to go through things and in society being, you know, seen in a certain way. Well, you know, I can reflect on a story of my own that, you know, when I, I've, I've been to uni myself and I studied a Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Health Science, in my last year, I actually fell pregnant with my son. So um, I've got endometriosis and I was told that it would be challenging to have children um, so my son was a surprise, which, you know, a beautiful surprise. Um, <laughs> and, um, so in my last year of uni, I found out I was pregnant. Um, and so I had, um, I had two semesters to go. I was due to have him in the middle of the year and I had a large number of family and friends tell me that I would not finish or that I just because I was about to give birth that I would not finish and that I why do I need to finish and all of these other strange things like to me they were strange to say yeah. to someone oh you're not going to be able to finish now that you're going to have a baby or you're you won't want to finish now that you're having a baby and I in my head the whole time I was so determined to finish because of these people that kept telling me <laughs> it was kind of like tell me that I can't and I'm going to show you that I can tenfold yeah. um, so I went to uni up until um I was 38 weeks pregnant with Marley um all my lecturers knew that you know there was a potential for me to go into labor whenever really um I had my last exam at 38 weeks and then 39 weeks I had my son <laughs> Wow. Um, a week later I had him and then I went back to uni so I had him in my six-week holidays um 
And then I went back when he was six weeks old and I took him to my lectures, my tutorials. Um, he was there when I graduated and he was, I think he was almost six months or thereabouts when I graduated. And I've got photos like with him in my graduation gown. And it's just such a proud moment for me because I can look at that and think, wow, like I actually did it. But yeah. in the first semester, I, I amped up my subjects and I did five subjects because I knew that I was going to have a newborn the second semester. So I wanted to do three subjects. Um so to reduce my load for the second semester. But whilst being pregnant in the first semester with five subjects and baby brain and all of the other things that come with being pregnant, I had gestational diabetes um, whilst being pregnant. And it was just, it was so tiring. But I look back now and I think, like, I'm so proud of myself for finishing. And that was something that I always wanted to finish. And, and, you know, I was the, one of the first people in my family to have gone to uni. So for me, it's like such a big achievement. And yeah, it's, it's again, shows that power <laughs> um, yeah. that I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. Oh, I remember when I graduated from my bachelor and it took me like a little bit longer to, to get through it. I was, I just remember this feeling of like, I, now when people say to me, oh, what are you doing? I can say I've finished my degree. And and there was such a difference in being able to say that instead of saying I'm studying, like just the finality of it, of like I have studied and I'm finished and that like chapter of my life is like over and and you kind of own that now and no one can ever take that away from you I just love that feeling um and like that's just like tripled for you considering you did that and had a baby like wow yeah it was crazy like I look back now and I just think how did you do that (laughs) like how much coffee were you drinking (laughs) I um and and then whilst I was you know at uni and pregnant I applied for so uh, a Victorian public service graduate position um, in my first semester and I was going to interviews when I was 36 weeks and so they um, they do like a pre-assessment of you and they you go to this you know pre-assessment thing and then you get back um, how many interviews you get from that so basically yeah you go to this first one and they assess you and then Mm -hmm. the second one they um yeah they tell you how many interviews and I was given 10 interviews in two days what oh and I was pregnant 36 weeks pregnant my mum um drove me to each interview because they were all across the city so in Melbourne they were all across the city and imagine a pregnant woman at that stage waddling from each interview to the next because I would have probably my waters would have broken or something because they were like they weren't close to each other (laughs) and then from those 10 interviews I was offered seven and I was so worried that because I was pregnant that no one would offer me a job and it was strange because Mm -hmm. it was those feelings of like I, I know that they, they're not allowed to discriminate, but I just had this feeling that they may mm. and they didn't. And it was amazing. Like I, I had, I had a choice of which job I wanted and, you know, that was to start the following year. So my son was seven months when I went back to work, but you know, I had, that's another reason I had to finish my degree because like I got off a job. So I was like, all of these things that I am doing, I need to do 
because I've got these other steps that I need to be at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I know that feeling. It's like you have in your mind, you're like, I need to do this so I can yeah. do this. So I can do this. And it's like that middle thing doesn't happen. The thing that's like four things down the road is not going to happen. So I just need to get this done. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about your role? Um, So you took a position. What sort of work have you been doing? I know that it's been in the the public health sector, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. So when I was... um... When I was studying um, with my, like with uni, I majored in public health. So I did a cadetship with um, Banyol Community Health, which is in West Heidelberg. Um, and I was there for five years and I worked as an Aboriginal health promotion officer. So that was a really great um, introduction role to um, lots of different things. Like I, you know, met lots of different health um, experts and physicians and and learnt about things on the ground, which was really um, imperative to the the next work that I started to do, which was work behind the scenes in government. So, you know, having that community health background and then going to um, government was really interesting because I I think I could understand what was happening on the ground to then apply it in in the the other space. So, like you know, obviously community health works on grants and and government funding so then I was on the other side you know making sure that those decisions were made to um, help you know where I was working before so it's really interesting to be able to see you know both sides um I really love health and working in Aboriginal health so I've worked in the space for quite a while so after I you know when I got the job in government I started as a grad and with the grad role there's there's three different um, rotations you do. So I started in DPC, Department of Premium Cabinet, in the NDIS, um, which was interesting. Um, I found that incredibly interesting. Um, <laughs> and then the second I went to Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning in Aboriginal Water, which was amazing. And I really loved that space because Aboriginal people have a holistic approach to health and you know, water and environment is is one of those layers that um, needs to be, for Aboriginal people, taken in co- into consideration when you're talking about health because land management is a part of our culture, which our culture is then part of our identity and then you can, the layers of that, you know, then go down to the actual nitty-gritty of our actual health. So it all stems from one area of who we are and so the land management, the water, the, the environment is really um, quite um, connected, very connected, very connected. And so that was a really interesting space to be in. And then from there I went to Department of Health and Human Services and I worked um, in Aboriginal Health and Wellbeing for a little bit and then I went over to um, tobacco control. So I was working in um, like smoking cessation and other areas of like the public health space within DHHS. So it was around um, cancer screening and sexual health, cancer screening. So it was it was really broad and again holistic, which works um, wonders in our community as Aboriginal people. We have led the way with um, holistic approaches to health, and you'll see like with the data and the the way that we have our health centres is, you know very efficient and it works quite well 
um, with the programs and then the intersection of different health areas that cross over works well as well. But then from there, I went to the Department of Education and Training. So again, education is another health component because obviously, you know, education is really important and then works on, you know, your employment and all these other social economic factors of an individual's life um, all depend on, you know, the education, your health, your housing, um, and they all sort of intertwine. So, yeah, it was, it's been a really interesting journey. And then I went into um, the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission. So, again, you know, looking at sovereignty and, and Aboriginal rights and, and Victoria hasn't, or Australia hasn't got a treaty with Aboriginal people or the First Nations people. So, you know, Victoria being leading the way for that, that was a really um, historical moment for me and also for a lot of other Aboriginal people to be a part of that. So, yeah, I, I feel like... I've sort of worked across the board. <laughs> yeah. Um, this also wasn't in one of my questions, but it just has sort of come to my mind. So with your, um, like, your amazing arts career taking off and one of my next questions is, um, like, what have been some of the main influences on your work? And I'm guessing, you know, your own personal experiences but also what you're discussing. Um, and it seems like they're all, like, there's a lot of common themes in your this career that you've been talking about, but also your art career. Mm. What are you going to do if your art, like, are you going to keep with going with your art career or are you going to go to these role, go to a role that you've been in previously? Do you have any thoughts about that? I'm really, um, really open to yeah. whatever comes my way. So I'm, I'm just trying to, um, you know, put myself out there and, and learn from others and build my business and, and have that there as something that is mine. And, you know, if you're looking at um, historically, um, you know, social determination, I'm doing that. So social determination is, you know, Aboriginal people are determining their own, um, their own life, their own way, their own as a community. And, and, and I feel like in true self-determination is having like for me this is my experience but is having my own business and ha- being financially um able and you know having those opportunities for my children and having that um independent sort of life where I can practice culture and I can um take my kids to cultural events when I need to but also I can be financially um, able. Like I'm, you know, I've, I'm sort of trying to create a space for myself and my children and my family where, you know, I can still practice cultural things when I need to and 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 still teach them where I can, but also they can go to kinder or daycare and then I can still, you know, network and meet people and, and influence change in areas that I need to and, and teach people because, about Aboriginal culture, Aboriginal history, myself, my stories, um, because that's something that I really enjoy, you know, being able to share that as well. And obviously there's certain protocols where, like, things I won't share, but the things that I can share to create, you know, that unity in a sense, um, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that with, you know, open an open mind and, and, and allow people to ask me questions that they need to and then and as as long as it's a genuine question like I'm as I said I'm very open to wherever I'm going to go <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would love to continue to keep within the creative space 
Um, but obviously that all depends on a lot of variables. Um, so for now, I'm just going to keep enjoying what I'm doing, um, taking the opportunities where I can, meeting new people, networking where I can. I'm you know, going to do some online workshops, which will be fun, um, and try and just be me. Like it's, it's a genuine space that I love being in, is being able to wake up in the morning and think, okay, I've got all these orders to pack, but then in, you know, the afternoon I'm going to play with my kids or, you know, I'm going to be able to create something today or, yeah. So I don't know the answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit, I always ask people stuff like that and then they're like, I can't predict the future, Bridget. (laughs) This is probably almost part of the happiest I've been I don't know like I, I don't want to say the happiest I've been but I'm really really like it's not work I'm mm-hmm. connecting with people on Instagram and Facebook and social media and I'm creating you know my experiences and people are connecting to that and then you know people are buying that and and then like my customers are then becoming friends and like it's just been a really natural and unique um space like it's very novel like it's a novel way to um come about I think and and I think that also comes in with how fast I've grown is because you know I I want to make sure that I'm building relationships creating a genuine brand that represents me as me not anyone else because you know I've had people message me saying thank you so much for getting on um your stories without makeup and I was like well if I if I if I got on stories and every time I had makeup on, that would be very rare. <laughs> so like, I just want people to, yeah, like connect with me for me, like not some made-up version of myself because that's too tiring and I just don't have the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of sounds like you're creating um, something totally new for yourself. And it's just emerging and, yeah, like definitely uh, it looks like you're blossoming like online and um, it's, yeah, it's been really, I feel the same. Like I have felt very inspired by watching stuff that you put out just because it's sort of like it's just really nice to see someone just doing stuff and, yeah, being real and um, not, like I think I've had this discussion a few times with people this year that I've been connecting with. It's like you can really tell the difference when someone does something online for a specific reason or like they or if they're networking with you or they're like they want something from you. You can like see it a mile off. Like it's like obviously we all, you know, like I contact you, I'm like this is these are the things that I want but there's no kind of like hidden agenda but sometimes with people it's like, you can tell that there's a hidden agenda or you can tell like through their Instagram posts or something that there's like something else going on. Like they're trying to sell you a product that you might not know about. Whereas with yours, it's like really transparent. And I like, that's something I really value. I think it's so important to be like, obviously you can't tell people everything that's going on and it's okay to have like projects in the mix that you haven't released yet or, you know, cultural things that are private that's that's different but yeah like it's really nice and really important to kind of know who you're talking to and like what they stand for yeah yeah, done some amazing stuff like that and I think that's the difference between small and large businesses so like you know when people 
especially during this pandemic, I feel like people sometimes may forget that, that, you know, I'm a small business, I'm one person, you know, I'm the social media guru, I'm the admin, I'm the payroll, I'm, you know, like everything at the moment because obviously we can't have anyone else in the home to help, you know, I pack orders and I reply to emails and everything. So I think, you know, sometimes people, not so much my Instagram community, but for people outside of that who find me some other um, pathways or alternative ways, they forget that I'm just a small business and, like, I don't have all of these people working for me. Um, And I think that's also been really challenging in the pandemic. So when we talk about, you know, things that have been really positive, I think that that's probably been not only have I learnt business during the pandemic, but I'm also trying to navigate the world in this pandemic and being a small business in this in this new world that we're living in so yeah just if anyone is listening that you know um maybe thinking to buy from a small business just remember that sometimes it's just one person behind that um that email that you're sending and and just you know try and remember kindness doesn't cost anything and if you're frustrated at something maybe take a breath before writing that email or you know because there is you know for a small business that one person has to respond to those emails um whereas if it's like Maya or David Jones like it's a duck duck uh, water off a duck's back because um it's not their business yeah yeah and it's so personal as well when it's your own business it's something that you've created and it's aligned with you and your identity and yeah um I haven't my mind my sort of thing is totally different Um, but I haven't experienced anything like that. But any time that I have had, like, a confrontation, I have just been so upset. Like, it's really affected me more than it would if I was at work and I was working for a company that wasn't me, Um, and especially your company, like, it's you. So it's, yeah, like, I I totally hear what you're saying. Um, How do you deal with that kind of stuff? Like, do you just... Um, take a bit of time to deal with it and then keep moving because I would imagine even if you receive like an email that's like not that kind you still have heaps of stuff to do because um, yeah. it's just you <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, what do you like what have you how do you deal with it sometimes I've made phone calls and the other person has um, realized um, I guess when they've spoken to me because I'll call and say, I'm so sorry, you know, apologise for whatever it is because, you know, obviously there is mistakes and but then, you know, realising also that the post office is inundated and they're a lower capacity and there's so many different things that are shifting and changing at the moment. So sometimes I'll make a phone call and just, you know, be honest about what's happened and usually, um people are you know pretty responsive and I'm so sorry you know I I just reacted and and then it makes people realize that you know I am just the only person behind this (laughs) um or you know I'll write an email explaining and then again people have responded the same thing like I'm so sorry like I just reacted so I've had a couple of people like that and I guess you know I can empathize because we're in such uncertain times that um, parcels are going missing and people are being let go and like there's all these just different things that are happening in our world that is creating a lot of pressure and stress on families and homes and being in you know our stage four restrictions in Melbourne it, it's 
it's getting very difficult to, um, you know, respond to people in a kind way. But as I said, just take a breath, take a walk before you do respond and yeah. like think about, okay, what words am I going to use to get my message across rather than calling someone a scam or like, you know, mm-hmm. all things that sometimes can come into your brain when you're angry. Um, and I would just say, just suggest not, not going on a whim and, and being angry when you reply. <laughs> angry and it's kind of like don't don't drink and drive. Don't be angry and um, respond to emails. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to be unkind. Like there's no point. Yeah. I don't I don't get it anyway, but like everything at the moment is just nuts and even going to the supermarket is hard. Like I just if people are weird to me, I'm just like, okay, this is just go home, take a breath, like they didn't know that you were like, you know, just little things like you're standing in the wrong line and then they're like, move. I'm like, I don't know where to stand. No one knows where to stand anymore. (laughs) No one knows what to do anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, I might start to wrap up because it's um, been such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, why don't we, I've got two questions left. I sort of feel like we've covered a little bit what some of the main influences on your work are, but did you have anything else that you wanted to share um, about that? Yeah, so probably, you know, I've got a lot of influences and I get, you know, as I said, life experience, um, things that I've gone through, my spirituality, my ancestors, my grandmother, my Aboriginality, the country, my children, like I have so many influences on my art that I couldn't name one. And I think they all play a really important role in influencing the way that I practice. Um, So, yeah, like it's a really hard question to answer again. And I think with Aboriginality, a lot of our um, stories come from within and it's just about you know, sitting down and allowing your your thoughts to disappear and just to create and allow those those things to come through the brush and just allow your body to connect with whoever or whatever's coming through at the time. So it's just really, um, yeah, it's a, it's just a strong connection and and it's an outlet that you're allowing, and it could just, it might not even be your story or your experience, but it's allowing an ancestor to tell their story through you as well. So it's it's really powerful. Um, and, and, you know, the different smells of, of environment or, or country and, and, like, the other day I got sent some um, some dirt from my country um, back in Shepparton um, in, like, a container with some some crystals from a friend and um you know smelling that has reminded me of home and like now I want to go create something that represents home to me and and where I'm from and where I grew up so she asked me basically she asked me um one day like I was talking to this friend and she asked me you know um where did you go when you felt upset or sad or where you wanted to connect or whatever and I was like because I lived you know, out a bit of Shepparton, but um, and it was near like this this path that took me down to the river. So I'd often, um, as a young person, would like walk down to the river, and you know, it was surrounded by eucalyptus trees and and just that smell and that feeling. And and she, yeah, sent me this dirt, and it's just really connected me back 
to that that space and and where I was. Mm. Oh, that's so. Um, I just love listening to you talk. Oh, you. <laughs> about, I'm like imagining the smell of eucalyptus, and um, yeah, that's it's so great that you draw inspiration from so many things, but also from like what you're talking about these really tactile things. Um, yeah. And yeah, I feel like there's probably there are probably a whole you know like you could interview someone like you on that particular question and that question only um (laughs) um, I'm also finding as well with um because I this is sort of my first segment where I'm interviewing women who are artists like um I've wanted to interview artists but I've so far I've been really trying to get through the female architects that I know because there's so many amazing ones in Melbourne so I've been trying to sort of power through them so that it will then open up the doors to different disciplines and people overseas um but talking to like artists I found that the approach so far has been to talk more I've gotten more from the conversations asking about who you are in your body of work rather than focusing on one piece of art or one thing yeah it's very immersive um so far the people I've interviewed um it sounds, yeah, it's been great to hear your story and your background. Um, the final question I had was thinking about the future. So I wanted to ask, when you think about the future, what are a couple of words that come to mind um, when you think about the future in terms of being a mum, being a woman and being a creative? I would hope that the future is more inclusive. So, you know, in terms of being a mum but an Aboriginal mum and being um, someone who went to school and um, experienced the education that I did in the time that I did, which was not much around culture and Aboriginality, even though we're living on Aboriginal land. Um, My son has come home from kinder and he can do an acknowledgement to country. And, you know, growing up, that wasn't offered in kinder. Like they didn't teach us how to do an acknowledgement. Even at school they didn't do acknowledge like all the time. You know, I think maybe occasional assemblies, maybe around Natal Week they did an acknowledgement. And then there was hardly any education um, around Aboriginal history. We learnt about, you know, Egyptian history and Latin history and all these other histories. But there wasn't, you know, what was happening on this land and you know maybe we touched on the stolen generation but I don't think we went into depth or really unpacked that properly and what those ramifications had on people and the Aboriginal guest speakers that we'd have in were probably sports people and you know I would as a young person because they were Aboriginal I would grab a hold of what they said and try and um, use that but what I want to see is more in the education space around um, amplifying the, the the successes of Aboriginal people because it's far too often that we have um, educators who talk about and, um, you know, the what, what's um, the data that's, that's coming out is, you know, there's less Aboriginal people finish school and, you know, our health impacts and all of these negative um, stereotypes. It's kind of like negative um, data that's, almost paving the way like as a young person you think oh well my life's already paved for me like my journey's already done like 
as a young person, that's really hard to hear all the time. Um, I think there needs to be more um, ampli- like amplifying the successes is what I'm trying to say and showing the leaders and showing the things that are happening that, you know, are positive and um, as a woman and an Aboriginal woman and an Aboriginal mother, I want to see that for my children. I want them to see that, you know, they can be successful and be Aboriginal and, you know, make it through life with, you know, little health concerns or, you know, and even though they still are there, um, I think that there needs to be less focus on that for kids. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> I'm sort of rambling. Mm-hmm. But I kind of know what I want to say. And, and, you know, as an artist as well, I want to see like an Aboriginal artist. I want to see less non-Aboriginal people, um, using our art and, and cultural appropriating our art as well. Like I think that's another topic that I could have went on for forever, but mm. it's really important to understand that with Aboriginal art, the symbols that we use actually represent stories that we're telling. So they represent symbols of, you know, people of land. So um, sometimes I see people, you know, influenced by Aboriginal art, which I don't think you can be influenced by Aboriginal art because you don't understand the actual concepts behind it. And to me, you know, and to many others, it's cultural appropriation. So I think I want to see a world where people have a strong understanding of Aboriginal people, of their art, of their history, of the culture, but also being able to um, recognise it, to understand it, and also to be able to share it as well. Like I'm Aboriginal and... And, you know, it's my land, my ancestors' land, but it's also where you live. So you should be proud of Aboriginal history and culture as well, like being a non-Aboriginal person. You're in Australia. We are the oldest living culture in the world. This should be something that people are proud of, being an Australian, and really, you know, amplify that. Mm, Yeah. Does that make sense? (laughs) I could go It's amazing to hear you talk about that and uh, I, like, totally agree from, like, my own different perspective. Um, I think it's information that should be in schools and it should, it's just a no-brainer to me and I I don't really understand it, like, why, I mean, that's a really stupid thing to say, but (laughs) it just seems like, you know, education should acknowledge all cultures for a start, not just this Western culture. Like I believe that in Australia, like why do we only have Christmas when we have so many different cultures living in Australia? But then when it comes to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, why aren't we taught all this information that is so important? I actually don't really understand it. Um, Well, even, for example, you know, I was, I was talking to someone the other day about education and even like things as simple as, you know, in um, science teaching, um, you know, the like about boomerangs and the physics behind a boomerang and how it was created. Like there's some there's science behind that and Aboriginal people came up with that. Like it's incredible. Um, so just like thinking about small things that could be implemented to your everyday life to understand even your $50 note go and have a look at your $50 note and who's on your $50 note why are they there Mm. ask yourself these questions and find out you know that there's reasons why we have so much um 
um, to unpack. Like there's just so much that we could unpack and that's really brilliant. Like we had Aboriginal people weren't savages. We had systems in place. We had, you know, ways of doing things that we will never fully understand but it's really important to try and learn because those systems kept us safe for so long and and educated us and and provided us with food and safety and security so like you know there's lots of different things you can learn in yeah yeah (laughs) definitely definitely um and it's it's invaluable um it's I don't know what word comes for me comes to mind but it's just like there's so I don't know what the word would be, but it, the word would be there's so much that's so amazing. I can't say it in a word that you can learn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe there's like a word in a different language. Black um, excellence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your ideas it's really um like meant a lot to me and i think this episode a lot of people will listen to it and really appreciate it and um hopefully it will open more of a discussion into your work or um more of an appreciation of i guess just generally what women go through (laughs) so thank you so so much and uh yeah i'm a massive fan i can't wait to see where you grow to and um i yeah i just so much excitement for your future so I look forward to seeing what happens thank you and thank you for having me on the show I really love talking to you and and really engaging in in the topics and and yeah I'm really excited to see what comes from your project as well um but also yeah I love sharing so it's been it's been amazing thank you (laughs) thank you